0: see we as christians know that that's what awaits us that everything bad will come untrue but between now and then we're to work as hard as we can reweaving shalom giving people a glimpse of the way things could be and when we do that it transforms the way we look at our work and that's the key it gives us a a why that's so powerful that it that that it
1: helps pull
0: us through the tough times at work
1: Welcome to the 9 to 5 podcast, conversations with Christians about lives of faith, integrity, and excellence at work. They are from Christians in Commerce, a ministry supporting and encouraging men and women to be Christ in their workplaces. We hope you enjoy this episode. Today we're going to pick up where we left off last episode. This is part two of our conversation with Hugh Welchel, Executive Director of the Institute for Faith, Work, and Economics. We're going to ask you again about the Old Testament's idea of shalom, and let you expand.
2: So, from the Old Testament perspective, uh, to the people in the Old Testament, the whole concept of shalom would be life in good working order, the way that God intended it. Is what you're saying, correct? Right. Correct. Let me give you some examples.
0: Let me give you an example out of the Old Testament, and this is. um, uh, because because we we don't think this way, right? So so on your Christmas cards you you often have you know, Jesus is the Prince of what peace, right? Well, see, but Jesus is not the Prince of peace. Jesus is not a Prince that's going to come back and just keep uh, the countries from fighting with one another, right? Jesus is the Prince of Shalom. Jesus is the Prince that's going to come back and make everything back to the way it was supposed to be. One of the things that we have to kind of get out of our minds as Christians is that. Salvation is not just a bus stick, a bus stick to heaven. You know, salvation is uh, is is more is embodies much more than that. It's a call for us to help God's redemptive work, even in the here and now. But once again, giving people a taste of what the shalom looks like and what we do in in our work, and particularly in those four specific
2: areas. We talk a lot about being co-workers in Christ, and this is actually sounds like what we're supposed to be co-workers doing together yes absolutely absolutely it's funny uh one of my favorite quotes is by my guy named martin weber
0: he wrote a little book called the meaning of of shalom and he said that biblical shalom is the utopia for which western civilization has yearned since the days of plato it is the failed promise of ancient empires and contemporary politicians and the frustrated dream of formerly love-struck newlyweds I think that says it all. There's this deep desire for shalom. But the problem is we'll never truly taste it
2: until we have an encounter with the Prince of Shalom. And uh, so looking from the New Testament perspective, what light does the New Testament shed on understanding of peace, particularly as yeah, it relates to our daily yeah. lives and absolutely, the impact absolutely. we're supposed Absolutely. Yeah, and once again,
0: you see the word peace a lot of times in in the New Testament. And there's a word, of course, the New Testament is written in Greek, so you won't find the the actual word shalom anywhere in the original New Testament if you study it. But there's a word in the Greek that is translated peace most of the time, and it's the word irene. It's actually where we get the woman's name Irene. Um, And I believe from my studies that most of the time, that the New Testament writers, whether it been Jesus or Paul or any of the apostles, when they wrote the word Irene, they were thinking Shalom. So they were thinking the way things are supposed to be. Let me give you a, a quick example. We read in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So we read that and we think, well, blessed are those people who come and do reconciliation. And that's not what that means at all, right? If you, look, if you understand this larger definition of shalom, literally what it's saying is, blessed are those who reweave shalom. They will be called the sons of God. See, these are people who in their lives, and this is who all of us are supposed to be, go out into the world and in their vocational work or in their families, that they relieve shalom. They look for relationships that are broken, and, and they ask God, how can I help put these things back together? Use me as a tool to do this. Here's one of the amazing things that's talked about in the Old Testament and New Testament both. You know, we all desperately seek shalom. We, we want the things to be the way they're supposed to be. Deep down inside, we all want that. The question is, how do we do that? And the problem is most of us go out with this kind of self motivated thing. I I I want to I wanna make get it up for myself. But the scripture says over and over, both in the Old Testament and New Testament. I'll give you a perfect example. When Jeremiah writes a letter to the exiles in Babylon and the Old Testament, he tells them work for the peace and prosperity of the city i've carried you into exile because if it prospers if it flourishes you too will flourish literally what that says if you go back and look in the hebrews says work for the shalom of the city that i've carried you in exile because if it has shalom you too will have shalom it's a counterintuitive uh, um, uh, way of looking at things that's that's all through the gospel so if you really want peace if you really want shalom if you really want to flourish how do you do that you do it by going and making sure other people are flourishing and i'm telling you that's the peace that we've lost in the church that's the peace we've lost in business It's the peace we've lost in our families it's not about us but if you want to make it about you good luck with that but if you want to make it about someone else if you are really working to bring flourishing to others Think about this. This is the basic principle of every successful business that's ever been created. You take care of your clients, they take care of you. Why are we surprised to learn that that's a basic principle of God?
2: Well, that's very helpful, focusing on the shared peace that we're after rather than the personal peace that we're after makes a big difference. So we do live in a fallen and broken world, and as Christians, we try to draw together and support one another in living out the mission and call that God has given given to us, what then should we expect from Shalom? What would we, what would we see? How we know? How would we know we're beginning to experience that we're being um, successful, being good servants and yes. bringing about yes. peace? What, what What is it that we'd see around us? Yeah, I think the first thing we have to do is really realize that Shalom plays two roles, right?
0: Shalom is part of both God's design for his creations, what he intended his creation to do was to flourish, but it's also part of his desire for the way that we're to live. So in a sense, shalom is a goal that we strive for, but in another sense, it's a way that we live out our lives. And you have to see that dual role as we go into situations and try to try to reweave shalom, as I've said, because it's it's all about um, repairing the destruction that's taking place because of the sin that's in the world. And people don't realize how incredibly uh, uh, devastating uh, sin has been for not only us as human beings, but for the creation itself. I mean, this is why Paul says the entire creation, you know, groans in expectation of what, of of the Prince of Shalom coming back and putting everything back the way it was, right? Um, So as we look for opportunities in, in these four areas of our calling we need to look for opportunities there where we can give people a glimpse of the way things are supposed to be and we do that by doing our work in a particular way we we strive for excellence in everything we do we strive to be um, uniters not uh, not dividers I mean there's so many opportunities as you go through a day that you can step in and do some small little thing that helps reweave Shalom we don't have to do it all in one day uh, and we have to realize that we're not going to find complete shalom in this world, right? In the, in this life, it full shalom awaits us in the new heaven and new earth. But right now, God is giving us an incredible opportunity to not only taste what that shalom is going to be like, but to show it to others. Um, I, I tell people all, all the time, you know, we believe that Jesus healed the blind man. We believe he he fed the he fed the five thousand. Well. Often people say, you know, have asked me, you know, why did he do those things? Well, he was giving people a glimpse of the way things could be. You know, he didn't heal everyone that was sick in Israel, didn't feed everyone. was But in doing those things, he was giving people a glimpse of what Shalom looks like. and And really in extension telling them, you know, there is going to be a time when there's no one blind. There's going to be in time when there's no one hungry. In fact, we read it in the book of Revelation, the new heaven and new earth. Jesus will dry every tear from every eye. There's a great, uh, great um, line in uh, The Lord of the Rings. It's, a, it's, a, it's seen at the very end where Sam and Frodo have been rescued. Uh, they've destroyed the ring and Mount Doom, and they've been rescued by the eagles, and they're, they're back with the, with, with the elves in Rivendell. And, uh, it's not in the movie, unfortunately, but in the book, Sam wakes up, and he's in a bed, he wakes up, he looks at the foot of bed, and then Gandalf, the wizard, is, he says, Gandalf, he says, I thought you were dead. He says, but I thought I was a dead. He said an incredible line. He says, is everything bad going to come untrue? And see, we as Christians know that that's what awaits us, that everything bad will come untrue. But between now and then, we're to work as hard as we can, reweaving weaving giving people a glimpse of the way things could be. And when we do that, it transforms the way we look at our work and that's the key it gives us a a why that's so powerful that it dra- that that it helps pull us through the tough times at work helps pull us through the tough times we have in our families or in in, in working in our communities uh, or even working in our churches because we see the ultimate goal and we know the role that we're supposed to play between now and then
1: If you want to get off on the right foot each morning, you probably want to check out Christians and Commerce's workday emails. They're short and informative, sent to your inbox early in the morning. Wake up to stories and insights about people transforming their workplace. These daily workday emails inspire and encourage us in living out God's mission, where we spend 60% of our waking hours at work. Sign up today by going to workingforourfather.com. So what are some of the practical
2: things that you could uh, suggest to listeners to yeah, uh, bring yeah. about peace at their work? That when they go into their workplace in the morning and open up the door and walk in there, what are some of the things yeah. that they could be doing? And that's a good question, and I
0: get that a lot. I think that the first thing is understand that you know, we're not trying to create a utopia here. That awaits us, right? Then the new heaven and earth is where full shalom's gonna be. Understand things are gonna be difficult. Uh, one of the problems that about work is that that's hard, right? We and we understand that. It's um um Genesis once again, Genesis uh three tells us that work is part of the curse. And and actually I said that wrong, and I said the way most people say it. People say that work is part of the curse. That's not true. The reality is that work is hard as part of the curse, right? we'll have work in the new heaven and earth that'll be incredibly uh, beneficial, It'll be incredibly joyful. I mean, think about the best 2 minutes of work you can remember ever, right? Where everything was just went just right, you were on, you know, you just were pumped. Uh every minute of every day for eternity. That's the way works gonna be the new heaven and earth. We, we we get a taste once in a while of how it's gonna be. Uh what should should excite us and make us work that much more harder. One uh piece of advice I got that I would love to pass on, and I think this has been hugely important in my life, and I heard it as a fairly young man. Uh there's a guy named Ogman, you know, and I heard him speak and he said this, he said, You'll be the same person ten years from now as you are today. Except for the people you meet and the books you read. And so one of the things I tell people is that, you know, as you're working, you know, you need to be around good people. You need to be reading good stuff and listening to good stuff that that really brings you back to God's word, that that encourages you. Um, there's so much negative stuff out there. And one of the problems is we get so sucked into the culture and we read this, we watch at the movies and we see so much bad stuff that it really doesn't put us in the right frame of mind to go in to work and really be excited about reweaving Shalom because reweaving Shalom is not the easiest thing in the world to do, uh, but it's the most important. There's a guy named Dino that I heard many years ago when I was a young man, and he said something that stuck with me, and I think it's kind of the basis of the answer to your question. Uh, He said, um, you'll be the same person 10 years from now that you are today Uh, except for the people that you meet and the books you read and so As you think about going to work and and practical things, you know one of the things we do at the Institute for Faith, Work, and Economics, we do a blog five days a week. It's really short. We send it out at 6 o'clock in the morning for people to read so they'll be inspired when they go to work. So so set something up like that. It may not be our blog, but find something that you can read every day before you go to work, whether it's part of your devotion or, or, or something else that really puts you in the right mindset to go to work because if you don't, if you walk in and things start to go bad, you really won't have much to fall back on. Um, One of the things that um, I hear often, uh, and it's more of a practical thing that people ask me, "Hugh, you know, how do I I survive? I'm in a really bad work environment and everybody is so negative. I have a boss that's negative. What do I do there, right? How do you go and reweave Shalom in in a situation like that? And I think part of it is being prepared as you walk in. That's why these kind of early type devotional things are so important. But the other thing is understanding that God may you have you there as a change agent to to change the environment. You know, a lot of people I think are waiting for something to happen. You may be the thing that is supposed to happen. So you really have to use prayer, discernment, and you know, how do you, how do you become a person that brings shalom to this particularly bad work environment the other thing i tell people all the time is maybe it can't be fixed and maybe one of the things you need to be open to is um, going someplace else and there's nothing wrong with that right Um, because one of the problems of staying in a bad situation particularly work situation is that sometimes it can grind you down so much that it'll do more damage uh, than you can than you can fix. So, so always be open to that. You know, just because God's got you there for a period of time doesn't mean you're going to be there forever. In fact, one of the things I see that a lot of Christians do—they're far too loyal uh, to companies sometimes—and and they they aren't willing to listen to God's calling to to leave a company and go find something else when the time is right. I've had that same problem in my in my life. I've stayed at companies uh long after God wanted me to because I had this sense of loyalty you know our loyalty should be to the heavenly father and we should really be keyed in to listen to what he tells us to do
2: uh, particularly in our, in our in our work experiences well Hugh we really do appreciate the insights that you've been giving to us right now and this is this is very helpful and we appreciate all the work that you do at uh, if we and uh, your willingness to share that information with the rest of us Well, thank you. It's
0: been a great pleasure to talk with you today.
2: Well, God bless you, Hugh, and we hope to have you back again sometime. Thank you. I'll be glad to come.
1: Thanks for listening to this podcast. You'll want to check out our website at workingforourfather.com. It's constantly being updated with new content to support you and others in living your faith at work.